Welcome to another Sophos Podcast. I'm Chester Wisniewski. My guest this week is Brad Arkin, who is Senior Director for Product Security and Privacy at Adobe. Welcome, Brad. Hi. Good to have you back. Uh, we, we, I know we talked to you quite a long time ago about before the uh, release of Reader 11 about some of the security improvements. And with the launch of uh, the Flash Player 11 product today, I was wondering if you could spend a few minutes with us and kind of go through some of the security improvements. And I think there's some privacy improvements as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, on the security side, uh, one of the things I had read in uh, uh, some of the notes before the release were that you were going to be adding some 64-bit ALSR, uh, ASLR, excuse me, uh, support into the product. Is that um, going to help with some of the remote code execution vulnerabilities and things that are being exploited in the product today, or is it just a future uh, mitigation against risks? You know, that we don't uh, haven't seen yet. Well, so we we are supporting um, 64-bit with Flash Player now. And so in in the past, you'd have Flash Player running on a 64-bit platform or in a 64-bit browser, but it was running as a 32-bit process. And so the the, the 32-bit as well as the 64-bit for a while now have all supported um, ASLR and DEP. So they've all opted into that. And the, you know, when, when you get into ASLR, on different types of Windows platforms, um, and the difference of 32-bit versus 64-bit, it's actually quite a nuanced discussion. And so we've been talking to Microsoft a little bit about it because, you know, naively you'd think that ASLR 64-bit process would be better than 32-bit, and in and in the reality, it's actually not so clear-cut. And so I think the the most accurate statement here is that moving to 64-bit Flash Player offers some security benefits on some platforms. Um, And so it's not guaranteed to be this huge improvement on every 64-bit machine. Um, But but we think that it does make things a little bit harder to attack. Um, And so that's something that we think will be uh, useful. And then there's a few other things that are security features um, that are coming out of Flash Player 11. Uh, So one is that in the past, we supported a pseudo-random number generator, except it wasn't a um, crypto-quality PRNG. It was intended for gaming, you know, so if you wanted to have some a bit of randomness in the um, the games that you were writing as a developer, um, then this was something that was effective. But now, with Flash Player 11, what we do is we open a channel to the, um, the platform crypto provider. And so on a Windows machine, that might be the um, Microsoft Crypto API. And then on other machines, it's, you know, whatever equivalent thing is there and so now you know people can pull in uh high grade prng bits as opposed to the um sort of gaming quality only that we had support for before okay so so it kind of makes it a bit more i don't want to say military grade but it's that kind of idea i mean obviously a whole lot more effort's gone into developing the os apis for this stuff than what you previously had in flash player so that will make make it less predictable right exactly so it's now as good as um anything that you could do with a native app on the uh on the desktop um and so that's that's something you know that might be useful for people and it's interesting because we're in you know with flash player we're providing a platform and so we don't really know where people's creativity will take them and so it's not obvious to me why someone would need a um you know crypto capable prng and flat like for action script but Developers are always amazing us with stuff that they can do. So we'll we'll see once we put it out there. Um, and then the other thing that we're offering is uh, we've we've had the ability for Flash Player to establish socket connections uh, back to the um, the same domain server that served up the ActionScript file. And 
those uh, those sockets are useful for, for doing um, things that are lightweight communications where setting up a full HTTP request is is doesn't make sense. It's too expensive. And so now with Flash Player 11, we also support SSL and TLS um, sockets. And so in the past, you could only open up the uh, the clear text sockets, but now you can wrap those inside of SSL and TLS. Was there an associated release of Adobe Air as well? or Yeah, so we um, we released, uh, you know, we're, we're talking here on Tuesday, and so we released Flash Player, I think, early this morning. I'm pretty sure an Adobe Air uh, corresponding Adobe Air release came out as well, um, and uh, and so some of some of these changes we're talking about in Flash Player are also going to be present in Adobe Air. Now um, the private browsing and the Ever Cookie and all these things that in the past have talked about Flash. Uh, did, are there some privacy improvements for people around uh, you know these cookies and cleanup and private private browsing and that type of thing? Yeah, and you know we we've been doing a lot of work in this area. So back. I'm trying to get the dates right. Uh, I think it was early this year we hooked into um, the uh, for Netscape uh, plugin API browser, so Chrome and Safari and Opera and all of those. We we worked with the um, uh, the the NP API team to create a new API that would allow for any third-party product um, who supports the API to clear local storage. And so for Flash Player, these are the Flash Player LSOs, and sometimes you know, inappropriately referred to as flash cookies. And so we wanted to make it easier to clear those cookies instead of having to go into the flash control panel. Now users, um, since early this year, are able to just clear those um, through the browser settings. Um, and so that's something that I think in January came out with Chrome first, and now other browsers have implemented that as well. And uh, And then I think it was about a year and a half ago, we added support for the first time for the um, incognito mode or private browsing mode. And so these these changes were all on the desktop side. And now what we've done with Flash Player 11 release is we've migrated some of these things over to the mobile side. Um, and so we now support private browsing mode uh, for Flash Player on mobile. And, and this is for Honeycomb devices on Android. Um, and then we also have a mobile control panel. Um, and this is something that we had to do in order to work cleanly with the Android application sandbox model. Um, but what happens is this um, this control panel will allow you to make changes to your settings for Flash Player um, and access them directly. And we had to completely rethink how people are going to do this because the real estate that you have on a mobile device is very different than what you have on a desktop. Um, and so trying to make sure that it's as easy as possible and intuitive as possible to configure what the user, um, to allow the user to configure their intent of what they want to happen with the Flash Player storage settings. Oh, they, yeah, uh, mobile security is, well, not just security, I mean, mobile development, as you point out, is always a challenging thing. And I guess you, you want to get as close to parity as you can with, you know, the full desktop experience. But I think sometimes, you know, you have to make some assumptions. So is it, is it, does it offer all the same settings as desktop or is it just kind of, ba you know, do the basics to, uh, to give you the, the knobs you just need to turn? So I, I think the, the, the primary goal here and, you know, overriding everything that we do with privacy, it's, um, we have a couple of mantras that we follow, and the, the first is no surprises. And so we, we want the users to get what they're expecting and to easily be able to express their intent um, through the UI design. 
And and so this is really tough because you need to translate extremely uh, complicated legal constructs and try to put it into easy to understand wording and then localize that across 80 different languages. Um, and then, you know, if you're presenting choices, you need to describe them as crisply as possible so people won't uh, have any, you know, take away any confusion on on what it is that they're trying to do. And so for mobile, I think that the big things are the ability to um, clear uh, the the cookies or, or, or clear the Flash Player LSOs and then also, um, you know, manage them. And so because of the screen real estate and not wanting to overwhelm folks with a bunch of text that's, that's going to get in the way of them understanding what they're doing, I think that we're presenting um, just a very lightweight uh, uh, set of choices up front. Um, but what we try to do is it's it's the the things that we think people would want to do most often. And so clearing the storage and then also making configuration choices. Great. Um, we I started out by mentioning um, Reader. And last mm-hmm. time we spoke, we were kind of introducing Reader X. And the at the time, it wasn't available yet. But, you know, the introduction of the sandboxing on the Windows platform. And, uh, you know, I, I spoke with you yesterday when we were preparing for this uh, interview. And I thought it was interesting. I mean, none of us so far have seen uh, any malware that's, that tried to escape the jail or was able to successfully exploit Reader X if it was written for older versions of Reader. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you have any updates on other uh, coming things we may see on Reader? Because I know that when we talked before, you'd said it was kind of stages of development as far as uh, to get to where you want it to be with security on the Reader platform. Mm-hmm. And so far, so good. Yeah, yeah. So I, I definitely can go through an update on where we are in Reader land. Um, and I earlier when we were talking, I wasn't sure about Adobe Air. Um, and I just confirmed that Air 3.0 did ship at the same time as Flash Player 11. And so that's also out there. And then all these things I've been talking about for Flash Player um, also exist for Air. Um, so giving you a status on Reader. So, you know, 2009, 2010, that, that was a rough rough time for Reader security. And a lot of bad guys were finding, um, you know, clever approaches to uh to attack users through malicious PDFs. And we put a lot of work into understanding what we could do on the uh, development side in order to, to really get ahead of these problems. And so with, with Reader 10, we came out with a, a bunch of changes. And then the, the sort of the most, um, uh, the, the one that got the most attention is Adobe Reader Protected Mode. Um, and so this is the sandboxing that's in Reader. And then with the 10.1 release, we extended that to Adobe Reader Protected View. Or I'm sorry, Acrobat Protected View, uh, which is the equivalent um, for the uh, the Acrobat authoring tool. And we were really excited to get this out to our users. And we put a lot of work into it. And we thought that it would make a big difference in helping to protect our users. But we've been very, very happy with the performance to date. So we shipped this in November of 2010. And from then till now, and I'm knocking on wood as I speak, um, we, we haven't heard or seen from anybody, from any source, um, news about a malicious PDF that was successful against Reader 10. Um, and you know, when you read through the all the documentation about how Reader 10 works and the, um, the design of the protected mode, it's not perfect in every way. There's, there's plenty of things that by design it doesn't attempt to prevent. Um, but what we're finding is that bad guys are um, finding easier paths to uh, install malware or take control of the computer or carry out whatever it is that they're trying to um, 
uh, you know, whatever attack it is that they're trying to carry out. And it's just easier to do that through other software applications. Um, and so the bad guys have moved on from Reader 10 for the time being. And, and that's something that we're very happy about for our users. And so we're, we're aggressively telling everybody, um, all of our customers and users, to please, you know, upgrade to version 10 as soon as possible. Um, and for Reader, you know, it's free. You can download it. There, there's really no obstacle. And it provides such a tremendous security benefit over um, using version 9 or older. Um, and there are still uh, a lot of people using version 8, which reaches end of life on November 3rd, 2011. So that's, um, you know, five weeks from now. Uh, and so we, we're really doing everything we can to get people to upgrade uh, to version 10 as soon as possible and definitely to get off of 8 because we're not going to be shipping any more security updates for that. Um, so, you know, read, reader land is, uh, is in really good shape for people who have upgraded. And then for people who are still running version 9, which is supported and will continue to be supported until the summer of 2013, um, you know, we, we continue to make changes and updates. We've backported a lot of um, security features to it. And so things like JavaScript Blacklist Framework, and we rewrote the security UI, and we made a bunch of other changes. Um, so it's a lot better than 9.0, um, but it just doesn't offer that extra uh, barrier to attackers that we get with protected mode. And so we have seen a couple of exploits against Reader 9 um, earlier this year. Um, and I don't think we've seen anything since April, anything new. Um, and so if you're in an environment where you absolutely have to run Reader 9, you know, if you're stuck on it because of some, uh, you know, workflow or something that's going to take a while to migrate away from, then what we're telling customers to do is to, first off, establish a plan to move off of 9 towards 10 as soon as possible. And then in the meantime, just stay up to date uh, because everybody who um, is getting attacked these days, it's with old attacks that are known and which there's patches to protect against and um, and users just haven't had the chance to apply them. Yeah, that's an interesting point. We see similar things quite frequently in that it's it's rare to see things that are truly attacking the currently fully patched almost of any product. I mean, mm -hmm. just, I mean there are plenty of zero-day things found out there, but as far as the stuff being used in the wild, the vast majority of stuff that's just bleeding us to death through a thousand cuts is mostly stuff that simply isn't patched. Uh, and it's, it's frequently yeah. a problem. And are, are there other changes that will be upcoming in the 10 series that we should look forward to, or uh, will it be just continuous incremental improvements? Well, yeah, so, you know, the one big thing that happened was um, with, with Reader 10 in... And actually, this is Reader 9 and 10. Um, in June, we changed the default setting from what we call semi-automatic for the updater um, to fully automatic or silent mode. And so starting in June, anyone who applied an update would get their default setting uh, moved over to the fully automatic. And, and this was done in, with the dialog box. And so users had the chance to select other options if it made sense for them. But for most people, they just sort of hit next, 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 finish. Um, and so if people just take the defaults, then they're going to be moved over to that fully automatic. And we shipped that in June. And then September 13th is when we shipped the first update once the user base had been moved over to the automatic as the default setting. We're still crunching the data on how that's worked. But our hope is that as more and more people move over to this fully automatic mode, that we're going to be rolling over the user base very quickly with each new update in a consumer environment, you know, so anyone who's not in a managed environment. Um, so that, that's another thing that happened recently 
and then we've got a bunch of work that we're doing with um, with Reader and Acrobat that's going to continue to keep raising the bar for attackers. And it's a really exciting place to be because up until recently, we'd really been working to you know pull even with the problem and figure out what are the generic attack um, and exploit approaches and then how can we mitigate them in a way that's not just fixing individual bugs, but really making it much harder to carry out whole classes of attacks. And now that we've you know, pulled even and now with the, the bad guys who aren't attacking Reader 10 anymore, um, it, it's a new problem because we have to sort of guess where the bad guys are going to go next once they get there and then work on defenses against those problems. And so instead of solving a real problem today, we have to make a guess about where the problem is going to become an issue and then work to defend against that. And so this is an exciting chance to have, you know, so that we're actually got a little breathing room and we're ahead of it. Um, but at the same time, we're we're working on, um, you know, making sure that, you know, Reader 11 and all the stuff that's coming up is going to be uh, continuing to raise the bar and making, you know, the PDF viewing and PDF authoring as safe as possible going forward. When having some of those proactive things when you, you know, come up with a good idea, I mean, we see how difficult it is when you kind of sew together a lot of these ideas when you're in the operating system. I mean, even something like an iPhone where, you know, you've got ASLR and you've got DEP and you've got all these different, um, you know, proactive techniques for saying we're just not going to allow anything to do things that shouldn't be done on the platform. And, we, and, and it drives away. I mean, the guys always go for the low-hanging fruit. And to some degree, that's, uh, you know, mm -hmm. um, maybe the wrong message to be saying to some senior at Adobe, but I mean, that's how the problem ended up with Adobe, right? As Microsoft was the easiest one to pick on that it was universally bad on most people's computers for the, you know, for a very long time. And of course, Microsoft came out with their map program and Microsoft came out with the patch Tuesdays. And, you know, then they added ASLR and they added DLP and all these, uh, D, uh, sorry, DEP. And, you know, it, it made Windows a harder platform to attack and yet everyone had reader and there were some flaws there so it made it you know the, the bad guys race to it and now that you're kind of getting into that proactive territory it's really probably discouraging them from attacking the platform at all i mean if they're not attacking 10 um, as people's computers roll out uh, and they start going buy new ones at the shop for the people uh, like you say the consumers that are unmanaged and things they're going to end up starting to load you know reader 10 and it's going to make it less mm -hmm. and less appealing to them so if you can come up with more ideas to to provide things like the sandbox i think we all appreciate the uh we all appreciate the help yeah you know and when we look at what bad guys are up to the over the past 10 years they went from servers to desktop operating systems and then they crawled up the stack and started looking at third-party applications and and they started i think primarily with things like microsoft office and now they've moved on to you know reader and looking at um, web browsers and plugins and web browsers and now that with folks that have upgraded to Reader 10, we're seeing the attackers are shifting, I think, back towards the browsers and also really going after um, much more carefully people who are out of date. And so if, if you look at an attacker who's trying to attack a, um, a company, then you know maybe the most of the people in the company are running Windows 7 with Office 2010 and Reader 10. And so that's a really tough machine to attack. But maybe somebody in some dark corner, you know, sitting in HR or finance is running Office 2007 on Windows XP. And so that becomes a soft target because it's it's a lot easier to attack. It doesn't benefit from all the work that the companies have put into, you know, making the newer versions of software better. And so, um, so they can figure out who's running what 
and then go after and attack those soft spots and then move laterally once they're inside the environment. Yeah, the browser is great for that because it tells you everything about what the user has. With a little bit of JavaScript, you can basically find out everything that's uh, able to communicate through the browser. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's so hard these days. Um, you know, the attacker's investment to write something that's going to work reliably on a modern operating system like Windows 7 is, is really, really steep. And so it's a lot easier to put a little bit more effort in, into, um, you know, target reconnaissance and looking for who's running the weaker targets um, and then going after them and then moving sideways through the organization afterwards. So that's, you know, for us, the, the biggest message for our users is to, you know, stay on the latest version. And, and, and then once you're there, you know, make sure that you're patching and, um, uh, and, and that really carries you a long ways. Well, thanks for joining us again. I appreciate you spending the uh, 20 minutes with, with me and hopefully our audience that's listening. And, uh, you know, I, I think you're absolutely right about, uh, especially these uh, the proactive things that you guys are starting to do now. I think we talk mm-hmm. to people in the field and in large organizations that are quite skilled at this stuff. They kind of go, yeah, yeah, patching, patching. I mean, we can't ever keep up with all the patching. And there's always another zero day, so it almost doesn't matter. And, you know, there's kind of a very downtrodden mm-hmm. attitude toward it and you know i think this kind of demonstrates especially with reader with the sandbox and things that you know patching doesn't just mean being reactive i mean when we patch new technologies into these products it provides a whole new layer of stability and i've noticed when you've had to do um patches for reader 9 because of attacks uh, earlier in uh, early in 2011 that it you know the notice was uh, adobe's not patching 10 because this won't work in 10 and therefore right. you know we can wait yeah. for the next scheduled cycle which gets us out of this patching every two or three weeks kind of thing and gets us mm-hmm. back into something that's predictable and known that you guys are going to do quarterly reader releases and if you're on 10 you're probably only ever going to need to do the quarterlies at least for uh, for what we've seen so far and that alone saves you a whole ton of work oh yeah yeah and, and so that's you know we talked to there's, there's a whole lot of people who are running reader and acrobat that, that are not um they're not very savvy security organizations. And so for us, the compelling argument for moving to reader 10 is, is, you know, yeah, we talk about the security benefit, but they're, they're more focused on the patch cost. And so we say, Hey, you know, we're shipping a lot less patches for version 10. It's just the regular scheduled stuff. And so, you know, we, we really are trying to, you know, use any enticement we can to get people to upgrade. Um, Cause even if they don't appreciate it, it, it's, it's so much better so much safer for them great well thanks for uh thanks for joining us again and uh i guess good luck with the adobe conference this week as well out there on the west coast i'm actually in spain at the moment so uh, i'm going to go out and enjoy the rest of the sunshine and uh have a meal with my colleagues all right well thanks a lot chad it was a lot of fun as always our podcast can be downloaded at podcasts.sophos.com they're available on itunes and also via stitcher for your mobile and until next time stay secure